is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Right back at you. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee. I got to tell you, about, I don't know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds ago, Sammy McKee said, uh, remember, we're not on the air tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> no, you don't wow. mean that. You'll miss And us. then I'm like, oh, but we're disappointed for all of you at home yes. or or watching or downloading because, uh, you know, you don't get our sparkling personalities for one day. No. But who do we have to blame for that? The NBA? Yes. It's trade deadline. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Who's going to be around? Anyone? Are they all going, Sammy? I don't know. I, I have a lot. I mean, how much time you have on the Raptors? I've had a lot of feelings about them, but... I have two hours. Uh, we just had a full hour of Raptors talk before us, but I... I am worried that they are going to do much less than people. I think the front office has a lot of belief in this group, and they've had a down year, and it hasn't been pretty. But I do think that they think they're good, and I don't think they're that good. So I have a, I have a feeling that they're maybe less than people are expecting, would be my, hmm. would be my prediction. Hey, do we have, um, like, is, is, has there been a pendulum swing here with, I don't know, baseball and... Uh... Basketball taking over trade deadline. Do they have more stuff than we got going these days? Does well, it feel like that? They don't have the salary cap issues. They can just trade people willy nilly. That's not true, is it? Yes. In the NBA, no, they, they they have to luxury. match salaries. No, it's yeah. a, there's a luxury cap. You can go over a certain amount, and you have to match salaries or whatever. Oh, like my... it's similar. But here's here's the difference between the NHL and the NBA is they don't give a crap, and they just swing for the fences a lot of time. Like if you have. Uh, if you have, if you're the Lakers, you have LeBron James. We'll talk about you know him breaking the record last night, all-time points record, and you have LeBron James on your team. You have three, two, three years here left where you have one of the greatest players of all time. You got to kind of try to surround him with the right guys. You got to say screw the future. And I think a lot of hockey teams are pretty. When's the last time you see three or four first-round picks in a trade? Like never. Well, also though in the NHL, Kip. Can you trade picks that far out? Like they they trade offer the twenty twenty nine first. I don't in the Kyrie I trade. I don't think yeah. I I've never really asked to be honest with you. But why couldn't you? Is, is there no limit on that? Just I'll give you the twenty forty draft picks. Bradham, Bradham, if you're times, listening, send me a text. I, I yeah. do remember a couple times at Hartford we were, we traded a, a pick like two or three years away, and we used to joke that he's like you know. In the maternity ward, you know, getting, you know, he still hasn't left the hospital, you know. Right. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that's about that's, right. That's like in, you know, this past uh, OHL and CHL trade deadline, there was like picks that were getting traded where the guys were playing peewee hockey that would be drafted. Like that, that, that joke actually rings true in the CHL. Like the, yes. there's yeah. so many picks getting traded. Anyways. Now, do, uh, uh, no trade or no move clause uh, as prominent uh, that I don't know. in those leagues. That like, I don't did you ever know. hear of well, that? One point Derek made is there's only two rounds of the NBA draft. So if you don't have a first or you, know, you got your first and your second, you yeah. can't trade a third, a fourth, yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh. So it makes sense to trade but, the 2029 20, version. Would we ever hear of somebody uh, at the last minute still deciding on whether to lift their no trade clause? I don't, uh, not familiar I don't know to if me I've heard that. In the NBA. I, I, there's Sammy, something called bird, there's, called, there's something called bird rights 
And I think that's, that's for, we're, we're that's for signing someone. If you want to sign them over your luxury tax, it won't count against them. You've got their bird rights. That's, that's okay. what that's for. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know about the NBA ins and outs. To be honest, I don't really know about the NHL ins and outs when it comes to trades. And having said all that, later in the show, I've been cooking up a few unbelievable fake Leafs trades that I can't wait to go Oh, my trades. gosh. Yeah, yeah. Fake Leafs trades. You're, oh, yeah. you're baking fake Leafs trades. I am. I'm baking them like, uh, like those cookies. Like Aunt Beth's cookies. Oh, yeah. My goodness, Aunt Beth. I don't know who Aunt Beth is, but <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I really do. She sent us cookies. Numerous. A lot of cookies. We don't have a sponsor for the show. <laughs> it's currently Aunt Beth. Oh, it is Aunt Beth. <laughs> it is. The boys love the cookies. Then she baked some booze-free ones for me, which wow, I appreciated too. Wow, how thoughtful too. is that? I know. There's That's a beautiful. Valentine's really Day thoughtful. hard cookie. But just a, a message to all those companies out there. We can be bought. You know, feel free. And oh, we'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> and golf companies, if you want to send me clubs or send if me If you have any tie anything. to a golf course, As try the official show. snack guru of the show, uh, I can send out my email. <laughs> uh, not a problem, anybody out there. Thanks, Derek. We okay, are for are hire. Are you guys done? We're it's for embarrassing. Hire. We're for hire. Okay? Especially TaylorMade. I'm embarrassed what? for you right now. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. You appreciate well, we're like, doing it for you. I'm going to print shirts for us next Tucker week. What are you home. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last night. Sammy, did you want to quickly talk about, uh, you know, there's a, par- oh. there's a parallel here with LeBron James passing what everyone thought was a completely unpassable record with what we're staring at here with Ovi. Like, there's a very similar parallel that every no one ever would have thought that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record would have ever been sniffed by anybody. And LeBron passed it. It was, was 40 the, years to was break. one of the greatest players in the history of the game. And then... Was there Along any doubt last Ovi. night? Uh, I left Tim and Friends show. The last question they asked me is if LeBron was going to do it. Yeah. And I said 100%. Yeah. And it's just with these type of guys, very seldom in their careers do they miss opportunities to to shine when you're expected to. That's but, what made them so great. Yeah. And I'll include like a guy like Sidney Crosby scoring the game-winning goal in Vancouver in 2010. Matthews first game. Mm-hmm. They just, these guys just find a way to stay calm and, you know, perform when the eyes are on you. And LeBron also, did it. But also, in the NBA, I think it speaks to the difference in hockey and basketball, where in basketball, like, okay, it's Kobe's last game. Everyone's going to get him the ball. He's going to shoot it a thousand times. He gets 60 points in his last ever game. Like, you're able to, in basketball, control the circumstances a bit to get the ball in the hands of someone. Like, you know, Sammy was saying, like, what's the hockey equivalent of 36 points? It's probably two goals. And if Crosby needs two goals tonight, it's really hard to shape the game in a way that gets the puck to Sid, unless it just sort of happens. Absolutely. So it's just a different sport, and that's why there's more why in the NHL you need deeper teams because – you can't get yeah. the puck to your best guy. Yeah, that's fair, for sure. In yeah, game, game six it's, it's of the actually, playoffs, you might say, need Max Talbot to score game seven, sorry. It's actually a very good sort of parallel to draw with the Leafs is that you can't always put it on the top guys and you need somebody in the bottom six that's going to step up with a goal and they have it in years past. Hitch so. yesterday said, uh, you know how it is, the top two lines kind of cancel each other out and then yeah. what else do you have? Show me your next card. Were you, were you guys okay with... Uh, the moment it happened, the presentation, the uh, flooded of cameras and people, and right away, 
all every camera went up mm-hmm. and i know there you guys had a little bit of a conversation there an argument i i my first thought again is that like nobody nobody uh nobody can absorb a moment anywhere in the world anymore without thinking about recording it yeah. or having something for your future uh and it's like you almost lose something in that moment yeah. if you're too busy. You're looking through a small screen instead of at the event. So, Sammy, go ahead. Say your piece. Well, I thought it was that po- that photo of every single person. I did a tweet about it, how I thought it was. It just was pretty dark to me, like just in terms of how many people actually just had their cameras out and no one was just watching it. But at the same time, I think if anybody in this room, including you, Kipper, including you, Borny, LeBron James is one basket away from the all-time scoring record. Both of you guys have your phones out, too. And I said to you before the show, not a chance. There is no chance I, I would yeah, have my phone I probably out. out of habit would say, yes. I want to yeah. grab this moment and, and, and have it in my phone, I guess. I am a Listen, the Leafs, are, the Leafs are in a playoff series, and I'm at the game, and it goes to overtime, and Willie Nylander gets hauled down on a breakaway. He's got a penalty shot. Probably going to pull out my phone. See, I don't get that because that moment is visible everywhere. It's going to be recordable. You could pull it up on YouTube. Everyone has that video. I think it's more habit-based, like Kipper said, than anything. I think you, it's you just know what, you know what's hard for me, Sammy, is two things. Something like you got a sunset or my kids are doing something really, you know, cute that I want to remember. And it's like a sunset. But those but those things change How and go away thing? and other people aren't there. Yes. So I get the urge to be like, I'm gonna capture this or like I'll never remember this. Mm-hmm. Not a sporting event. You're there, like you stand beside Tiger Woods, first time in your life, you're on the rope, you get to watch him swing and you're like looking through your phone. It's the worst view of anyone. <laughs> I'm at home, I got a better view. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. I, there's nothing to argue. You're absolutely right. I wanna go here, stand six feet away from this. And look into a little tiny monitor. He's right there. And watch Tiger. I think. So you, know, you should hire somebody to do it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the moneyed man over here. Right? <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. You can and pay you're me gonna to come get... with you to those events and I'll film it all. <laughs> so, I mean, not to get too into non-hockey stuff, but this is why everybody says the Masters is so special. Right? Because you go there and the phones aren't allowed on site. You have to hand in your phone when you go in. How does that work? How do I don't know. Concerts too. Yeah. No, but they, no concerts are the worst offenders of this. I went yeah, to concerts. People concert. with iPads I know, but, but, watching the whole. No, 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 no. You, if you're doing it, you're doing it illegally. There's some concerts that ask you to check your phone in and right. uh, pick it up uh, on the way out. As it should be. But I just, they people always talk about the magic of the Masters, and it's because, you know what the hell the magic is? Everyone's just watching and talking to each other like people used to yeah. do, right? Like. I mean, how many times, not to get too deep, you're sitting on your couch with your wife and you guys are both sitting there looking at Instagram, not saying anything to each other. Well, and I will say, you know, I went sledding with my kid this weekend, left my phone in the car, and it's the best time we had in a long time because I'm just, I'm not checking up on anything, you know? Anyways. Uh, Got a little deeper than I expected. Deep (laughs) philosophical conversation here. Were you uh, pleased, the the presentation either the Lakers, LeBron, or the uh, NBA had, uh, to, to stop the game and let it breathe and the speeches, uh, you yeah. know, was, uh, did you, f- I, I kind of thought that LeBron kind of left Abdul Jabbar a little bit too long, kind of like, uh, th- to me, honestly, I break the record. He's the first guy. And with all due respect to my family mm-hmm. and my friends, he is the first guy I seek out. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. And I, 
I don't know. I didn't see that. Yeah. It was like, oh. Uh, it was also, by the way. Who's the record guy? Who's it, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on over. Come it was on over. also, what, in the fourth quarter of a game they lost by three at a point yeah. in the season they need a win. That's a team that's directly in ha- ahead of them that they need to oh. be. Yeah. It's not good. And then there's a report this morning that Russell Westbrook and the coach got into a yelling match. Just the NBA. Boys, can we just, like, imagine we covered the NBA for it? We should be the Raptors show sequel and just talk NBA. Imagine, yeah, if we had Keith and Matthews got into it during the game, <laughs> yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Anyways, I uh, I thought it was good that they stopped the game and they got it all out of the way. Like, it's a massive moment in the history of the game. I feel like it needed to be acknowledged the way it was. And you don't think that's going to happen when Ovi breaks the Wayne's record? You don't think the game's going to stop and it's going to be pomp no, and circumstance? It's going to be a well, very similar situation. Yeah, for sure. Maybe not a speech. Absolutely. But. And I think judging by oh, what we saw said. at the NHL All-Star Weekend, uh, you know, they're probably a little bit more comfortable than they were, you know, month, months ago. With Ovi. Yeah, with Ovi. You know, they keep floating these trial balloons out and, oh, everyone's what okay it, with I, that? I, is that, is that okay. what you thought maybe that uh, this weekend or last weekend was about? As well, I don't know if it was about that, but I definitely think they would have seen the lack of pushback and mm-hmm. gone, okay, well, all right, there's some, you know, we might be able to push Ovi here a little bit. Absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, in about, last uh, what, uh, less than uh, a little over 30 minutes, we got Mike Kelly coming on. Uh, we'll talk to him. Of course, he does great work with the NHL Network and Sport Logic. Uh, we'll talk about midseason uh, awards, or is he giving out awards? Are we? He, What's he the did deal? A, he did a, just a tweet that was a good just talking about the people that are going to get the awards this year in his eyes, and it was a good conversation starter, so I put in the lineup for you. All right, and uh, Timo Meyer, uh, his potential impact on a team acquiring him. And in the second hour, who do we got? Jason uh, Bukala. Bukala. Former director and amateur scouting for the Florida uh, Panthers. We've had him on before. Uh, I, I love his work. Yeah, I, I love, really uh, thorough work. Yeah, really thorough and uh, certainly... Uh, Looking forward to hear what he has to say about uh, basically what are we almost uh, three weeks out of a trade deadline? Yeah, like we are. And you know what the the group the chat wants us to talk about? Chikrin. That's all the the whole chikrin. chat is just chikrin. Everyone wants chikrin. Chikrin, chikrin, chikrin. Really? Oh, the Leafs getting chikrin or what? Well, let's just give the people what they want. Throw the red meat to the. I don't. You know, let's not go there now. <laughs> okay. You want to save know. that? I'm like. You weren't ready? We're off tomorrow. We were... I, I've got a line up here. I got to follow. All right. Well, if you want to go to it, go to it. No. Okay. No, I want to go to a guy that you've dissed oh, all season long. There we go. Yeah. Here and I just, uh, the lack of respect that you've shown Jack <laughs> Campbell earlier on this year, I, I find uh, horrible. Yeah, just Jack move on. deserves better. Seven straight for Jack Campbell. Seventh straight start. And all of a sudden, Edmonton becomes a team that uh, a lot of people like moving forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's curious to watch. Stu Skinner just went to the All-Star game for the Oilers. You know, Jack getting hot might make that an interesting conversation about who it's going to be. But guys, the Oilers look great. Like, they're the best team in the Pacific Division. Seattle's stumbling a little bit. Vegas is crumbling. I mean, they're, they're going to run this thing down. I could not be more confident than that. And, yeah, Jack Campbell helping is uh, a nice turnaround for a guy who started the season was not good. Last night's game was, in, was one of those rare games where uh, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl didn't have to carry the offense. Yeah, unusual. I, uh, one assist. For McDavid and uh, zero for Dreisaitl. Yeah. That 
doesn't happen very often. No, but it's a good sign of, you know, what they're building there. You know, there was some, it was a greasy game. Sam, you watched a bunch too, yeah, right? I just, I was surprised. And uh, Jack Michaels and Louis were talking like, you know, Louis, Louis DeBrus was just, you could tell he was absolutely loving it. But then he was starting to get pissed off. He's the like, no one is, actually like they, is anyone actually fight? Like, yeah. he was kind of like, <laughs> like, can we get after it here? Scrums here? He said, I think they could, uh, yeah, what do you say, cool the temperature if someone actually yeah. dropped the gloves. But it was every single after the whistle. And he just said, like, he brought up a good point saying that this is the stretch drive now. Oilers need points. Like, it's obvious to me, I guess, that the, the, um, Detroit, it's out of it now. But it's just, you feel once now that these games are starting, that's the first game for the Oilers, it's the first game for the Rangers in Calgary the other night, that these games are really starting to matter more here now. Like, after the All-Star break, it's, you know, it's, it's time to start. Yep. I know that uh, I, I just mentioned that it, it, last night wasn't uh, a dry saddle or McDavid type of game, which was, again, another good sign, as you just mentioned. But... You know, I've come to the point now watching enough of the Oilers to say that as far as duels go, like, there's not another duel that can touch McDavid and Dreisaitl when it comes to driving a team more consistently than any other team that I've seen. Like, there's very So we're rare... talking Matthews Marner here as the comparison. Matthews Marner, Shifley, uh, or Wheeler, uh, uh, Pedersen and uh, Besser. I, yeah. I don't know. Let's yeah. go on. Yeah. Uh, Panarin and Zabanajad. Uh, McKinnon, Landis Cog. We're in the ballpark. Could be ranting now. Right. car. Mm-hmm. One of those two. Right. We're in the ballpark. But when it comes to intensity and drive, probably 95% of the Edmonton Oilers games, mm-hmm. McDavid and Dreisaitl have now set a standard for those guys in the dress room in Edmonton. Where And you, you are, like, guilty. You feel horrible if you are now starting to let these guys down. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing out of the Edmonton Oilers is these guys dragging people up to their expectations. Mm-hmm. And they they look like they, McDavid and Dreisaitl, look like guys that just will not be denied. McDavid sleeps through 0% of the games. Like, if you turn on an Oilers game, you yeah. are going to get a piece of McDavid flair when he touches the puck. It's It really is unbelievable right now. So, you know, again, if, if we go back even to last year with Matthew's 60-goal season, I mean, there was a lot of talk about these guys running 1-2, right? Mm-hmm. And then we we know that we've had some certain conversations where we, you know, it may be a good week I, out of I, Matthews. Just, where you can just he, direct it behind the glass. Yeah, I said, he was, I said, said he was Matthews better. was better than that, yeah. McDavid yeah. For, for a small window. But if we go to this year with, like, the optics of some shifts where Matthews has completely disappeared, that just doesn't happen to McDavid. McDavid seems to want some of these records, too. I think he has, like, a sense for, you know, where he wants to be in historical context when it's all said and done. Like, I think 60 goals and doing what Matthews did is important to him. I think winning a Rocket's important to him. I think setting, you know, records 
is important to him. And I think that includes winning cups. Like I think he plays for his legacy and has since he's begun. I don't know that many other people are that self-aware of where they are in the historical context of the game. LeBron James, a guy who 18 years old, he's got chosen one tattooed on his back. Yeah. I think he knew. And then, you know, and he lived up to it. I I think the case can be made that McDavid has and continues to, but he's got to win a cup now. And I think he knows that too. But, you know, Again, for me, it's the intensity, and again, I, I don't. It's all, it's comparable to Mark Messier, mm-hmm. and I, I got a chance to witness it firsthand, and it's it's an intensity that uh, I can't even articulate. I cannot sit here and find the words to under to, to make people understand what it feels like to be in a dressing room with him, or be uh, at lunch with him or drive to the rink with him mm-hmm. and not ever feel like like some pressure to try to keep up a hundred percent and that never wavers and i do get that sense out of mcdavid now and maybe the behavior of certain guys on the edmonton oilers and this isn't a mcdavid versus matthew matthews thing this is a mcdavid versus anyone else right and I think we saw that. We see that on occasion with Stanley Cup champions because uh, there is a sense that McKinnon's the same way. Mm-hmm. That's right? what I was going to say. That's McKinnon a great is, he's there with intensity, right? Yeah. And, you know, you quietly talk to some of his teammates in Colorado and it's like, Settle down, man. Yeah, can this guy just take, can you just rest for one second? What did he get after him that they weren't? Chickpea uh, pasta. Chickpea yeah. pasta, yeah. Uh, the food in the dressing room, yeah. all of it. But Call the, that, the, the, the Dallas Aikens move. The gas, the, the foot on the gas pedal never, um, you know, comes off. Yeah. No, it is different. And I don't know, go, go down the list. I mean, it, how many teams have two guys? I don't care if you're making $10 million or not. Mm-hmm. That ain't Eichel in Vegas. No. Right? It is not. Uh, I guess Boston you'd look to in terms of but, the standard, the top guys with, right? with Bergeron and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Marchand. It, it could be Matthews, but I, do you get the sense that Matthews close to that level or he has the ability to get to that level or it's just not consistent? Yeah. I, think, I don't think it's about the level he can get to. I just think it's about... The way you know, he's I'm wired. talking intensity level. Way, that's what I mean. It's the way he's wired. I just he doesn't. Oh, no, no, no. It always comes down to how people are wired. Which, which I mean, which is, I think he's just wired a little bit differently than a lot of the superstars. Like but I don't that's think the stories about Larry Bird, who's an all-time great basketball shooter, and how he would stay out after practice till he had a hundred free throws in a row, and you know, get to 98 and start over again. And people going, dude. Like, this is borderline neurotic. Like, it's not healthy or what you're doing. compulsive Th- obsession. Right. Like, some is wired in a way, and that's it with guys like McDavid, who you're right, Sam. I don't think that, you know, I think it's good to be human and have other interests, which I think our Maple Leaf stars are well-rounded people. But, yeah, McDavid has a freakish determination yeah. <laughs> commitment. Yeah. And who is, it, who is it that we had on recently that was talking about skate, him skate? Oh, was that Gartner? That was talking about him when we had when we had Mike Gartner on when yeah. you were away that week. That was uh, that Friday, and we had him on talking about him being alone at that rink skating. Like, yeah, he's got the three on three rinks up yeah. in Newmarket. Yeah, yeah, and just the amount of time that he would spend there and whatever, and just the commitment to get better with him when you're already so much better than anybody in the NHL. That's just that's you know a probably an unhealthy obsession with 
being a NHL superstar. I imagine when you commit to that level and someone on your team isn't, like Kipper, you talk about those players feeling motivated, but I also imagine when you're McDavid and you see people not giving half the effort you're putting in and they're not as good as you to begin with, there'd be some interest in going into the coach's office or talking to the general manager and saying, uh, get this guy out of here. Which happens. You know, the same Which happens. Of course. And you, who was it? Hitch talked about... Uh, or no, I saw Brindamore, a quote about playing with Brett Hall and Brett Hall looking back at the coach and going, get this guy off my line. Like the great players will make requests. And I think as McDavid now gets, believe it or not, uh, closer to that halfway mark of his career mm-hmm. and you know, what are the what are the windows here for him? Where are the, the peak moments for him to to win and be the best he will be so in saying that you, you feel like now the Edmonton Oilers have got some some good synergies going including possibly Jack Campbell uh, yeah. providing better than average goaltending and Ken Holland now has to kind of acknowledge that um, McDavid and Dreisaitl Right, I've got two of the very best on the planet. Yep. I got to win now. I have to go out now, between today and March third, and I got to go get this guy some help because yeah. he's feeling it It'll right a, now. Pull your RV out, someone else. In. He's got to trade that twenty twenty nine first round pick. That he's got <laughs> he for something. So, how about the other side of it? Last what night, though, it? the Red Wings are. Oh, oh, just uh, on Edmonton, yeah. where, where do they go first? It's D. You know, is it Edmondson in Montreal? Uh, I, I I don't mind him as a as a defender, but they need they need a number one power play guy. It's well, not Nurse. It's Chikrin, and it's not it's not uh, uh, Tyson Berry. Klingy, Klingberg from Anaheim, Chikrin, and Edmondson. To me, by the way, just shout out to Clean Costin, who was a very effective player. Played for well last night. I just I. I think we talk about the lease with Chikrin and we talk about places with Chikrin. To me, that has always made the most sense is Edmonton. For Ch- but, for but Kipper, like, can they be better on the power play? They're yeah. like, historically one of the greatest power play teams. Listen, if, if uh, I, I just don't want to put Tyson Berry in that spot mm-hmm. to try to win three or four rounds. Yeah. I don't either. And if <laughs> I, I can have him on story. the, if I can have him on a second unit, love it. The other thing, too, is you need somebody still that can play a better 200-foot game on both sides. Barry defending mm-hmm. some of those low-scoring games in the playoffs, one nothing, 2-1. Just you, you need that guy that can kind of you – know, Duncan Keith was a, a nice ad. He was. It was just too little too late. Yeah. But maybe, maybe Chikrin's that – updated version of mm-hmm. I don't think you'll ever be Duncan Keith we do you know think that players would want to go to Edmonton being that it's you know Edmonton and uh like well you... there's there's that yeah. and then there's well I get to play with McDavid right yeah. that's a and huge that. factor guys I mean not to bring it back to LeBron but guys were clamoring to go to play in Cleveland when right. he was there so Good point. you know when you have one all-time great playing that you have a chance to win a championship with you'll probably go play anywhere yep Good so point. I don't know you, you look at uh Dreisaitl, McDavid, Evander Kane, and then adding one kind of high-end blue line guy 
I mean, on top of, a, don't forget Zach Hyman, the best player right? in the league, yeah. not named McDavid, apparently. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. And and Ryan Nugent Hopkins this year has had an unbelievable year. He's at the 62 points, scored a big goal for them last night to make it 4-2 in the power play. Um, I just liked their game last night. And I I think what I've seen from a few other fans is the that they're not the grittiest team either. You know, there's just a little similarity to the Leaf in that factor. I don't know, when Kane's in, Hyman can do it, Costin can do it. Like, they got enough That's what, that's what I mean. They tricked me last night Yeah, because they were in the middle of it all night. And yeah, Nurse was grimy last night, so, tossed that one dude. I like, yeah, the guy I tossed was Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, you like him too. I like his game. Are we past the, the other stuff with him? Well, that's a like, funny point, funny point, because I think there would be some pushback to Bertuzzi as – just saying, he's the yeah. only guy in the league who didn't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. And there was in Canada, that tends to be a bit of a different issue. Yeah. But boy, he his game suits what the Leafs need. He's a good player, man. He is a good player. Yeah. Want to uh, avoid move on that? To yes, I do. Bo Horvath. <laughs> well, no, we may get back to it. <laughs> we'll see. We may we may at some point circle around it because I would much rather talk about Bo Horvat. All right, let's go, Bo Horvat. Uh, a big goal, superstar. Yeah, nice little Chanting pass. his name. I know, he was getting there. chance. There's a guy on Twitter, D, he added you guys too. I don't know if you saw it, but he talked about running into Horvat at uh, Roosevelt Fields Mall in Long Island and giving him a shout-out. This guy, Hor- Horvat's getting noticed off the ice, chanted his name. With all due respect yeah. to Barzell, yeah. this is finally the guy that replaces John Tavares for them. Hmm. Yeah, like a serious leaderly center. Yes. Yeah. Not like a skilly winger playing no. center. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I like Barzell, but yeah. Barzell's not ready to be uh, the equivalent of a Mitch Marner for the Islanders. Yeah, he's still got some rounding. You know, Mitch's defensive game, the evolution in that, really it's, put, it's not put him. Close. Well, it's not. It's not even close. It's not. It's not a priority for Barzal the, the way it. Yeah, it that was used to be a big conversation between Barzal and Marner. Who would you rather have? That was a conversation at one time, and now it's not a conversation. It's not yeah. even uh, remotely not, not even the same universe. Yeah, exactly. And when you think about again, uh, one guy's at nine, the other one's at ten nine. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll, you'll never hear Mitch Marner overpaid ever again in your life. Yeah. I mean, Barzell, he does two things really well that just haven't translated in the big picture to wins for them and basically bring the puck out of his own end and hang on to it in the offensive end. At some point, it's got to get inside and end up in the net. And too much just having it, too much smoke, not enough fire. With old Barzell. The now, Islanders have won four straight, Kipper. Which means right there. In a playoffs uh, scenario. I know. I love it. They um, they are tied with the Penguins for the last playoff spot, but they have four more games played than the Penguins. It's Washington who needs to watch out. They're one point behind Washington, and Washington only has one more game played, or one less game played. Pittsburgh with a, an overtime win over Colorado, that Big one for at them. least lets them breathe for you know a day or two because they're feeling it. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it's tight. It's tight right now. And we mentioned yesterday those contracts they got to their old guys. Yeah, when yeah. you when you make those commitments to that crew, you're hoping better than hanging on to the last playoff spot for yeah. your life, right? Like you're hoping that you're going to be in the playoffs and not having to worry about it. I guess the devil's emergence kind of 
caught them off guard this year. Maybe it shouldn't have, but it seems like there's one less spot than they were expecting probably heading into this season. Yeah. So I know you didn't watch every game, Kipper, but did you see the hit um, on Makar by Carter? There's I a, did not, no. Yeah, just like a blindside. Uh, there's no such thing. As blindside? Yeah. What does that mean? It means like it doesn't mean anything when you tell me a blindside hit. You might as well just say a hit. Hmm. I mean, yeah. clearly there's a difference between you see me coming and I hate you, you, you or don't, I come you from some you, you strange can, angle and clip you. No, no, I get what you're saying, yeah. but it it's you, it's like you're saying it like it's a bad thing and it's not a bad thing. It's not a suspension. It's okay, not well, a then penalty. the phrasing is wrong. Right? He got a headshot from oh, Jeff that, Carter. Okay, then that's yeah. that has nothing to do with a, right. a blindside hit. Then that's a headshot and that's a... A debatable conversation whether or not right. a guy should be out of the game or not and that's a different thing but when i hear people say oh it was a blindside hit mm-hmm. you can hit a guy like, who has the it's, puck it's an whether he sees it's, you or not it's an it's an old term mm-hmm. that once upon a time meant something but now it does not you're allowed to legally blindside a guy if that has the puck that has the puck and you hit him cleanly yes yeah yeah, um, this is Steckel on Crosby ask, yeah. like kind of like that sort of clip, c- clip from the side where the guy didn't see him coming. It. Yeah, sure, make it happen. <laughs> uh, Tampa, two straight losses here. After uh, they, they were on fire going into the All Star break. Yeah, they lose to Timo Meyer, scores the overtime winning goal last night. Scored another goal in the game. Uh, is he the? Is he right up there with Chikrin in terms of uh, the, the biggest hit. name out there? I feel like he is. He how out there is Chikrin right now, Kipper? Hold on, we're showing him the Macar oh, okay, hit. Okay, Here okay. you go. You got Carter coming through his Macar. Ping. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice little clip. Ping. Yeah, that yeah. is a nice little he clip. Wasn't real happy now, about uh, it. what happened? Uh, no penalty. I don't know the no context. Penalty. No penalty. <laughs> no penalty. <laughs> yeah. No, no penalty. penalty. No Carr had some things to say about anything, it after the game. Wasn't uh, very any happy. Word on the, anything from the league? Nope. Nothing yet. See, I can watch that one or two times, and I'd have a tough time uh, seeing the difference between somebody that may have got a game for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm but, with you. You know, and and the other thing is your your screen's got like cookie juice all over it too which <laughs> cookie juice. it's not helping me right now i gotta be honest with you i feel like that's a not a good expression i don't know what it means necessarily i don't know there's a there's a there's gook a on it there's film there's gook it's got some uh yeah. crumbs on it i got kids all right they're watching mother uh, goose club on here <laughs> so what is uh realistic for timo meyer that he will be rented Mm. Or do you trade for him out of San Jose with the hopes of of signing him long-term? Because I, I don't see a scenario where someone's going to give up something significant uh, to watch him walk out the door for for free because you also have to be in a position that you might have to qualify him to retain his rights at $10 bucks. Yeah. So... Uh, the Leafs don't want to get caught with that, do they? No, that's a lot of money. But it's not the end of the world. I, th- I said this on the show before, I think much to your skepticism, but like Timo Meyer at $10 is tradable to me. That's a, He's a good player. He's a pretty close to $10 million winger. He's got 30 goals and it's February 8th. 
He's second in the league in shots. He's 26 years old. He's great. Just tell me, go like, do a quick scan here. Who can do it? Yes. Yeah. Who can offer him his qualifying offer, and uh, Mm -hmm. and not feel like they've dismantled their their hockey club? I guess it has to be one of those teams that is rebuilding and hoping to turn things around. My quick come to mind: Detroit. Detroit as a team that. You know, I don't know what their cap situation is necessarily, but they seem to be ready to turn it around. By the way, they're yeah. playing terribly. Okay, but if you're Steve Eiserman, I don't have to go get him at the trade deadline. I'm missing the playoffs. I'm I'm right. done. Where's my sense of urgency? I'm talking to... about in the offseason if you qualified him and tried to move him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be more realistic. But uh, again, it's within reason. If if I think I've got a chance to get him and mm-hmm. he wants to come to Detroit, I may take another 12 months and get him for free yeah. at, uh, at, at a free agency scenario. I feel like I read this somewhere that you would be able to talk extension with Meyer and his agent prior to the trade, yeah. which would be big, right? To say, okay, we'll give it would, him but I, eight I, times nine. The, the number is one thing, but even to have that luxury of being able to get them then in there a little early, what is my cost of acquisition? I mean, I imagine not too different than Horvat, maybe a little more expensive. Does that sound like it a- does, but does that mean that I, I need to do this because I feel like my window of winning now, my, my whole point in all of this mm. is where's, where would Detroit's sense of urgency come to go get a guy like Well, Timor? no, no, no. Detroit doesn't have a sense of urgency to do yeah. it. But lots of teams do, and the Leafs but they would have one to, of them. They, they would have to wait, right? You'd have to wait two years almost for Timo if you're not in contention. If you're not so in contention, This is sure. where you're kind of caught but between a rock and a hard it, place. Have him for this year. Yeah. Extend him and trade someone else who costs a lot of money. 100%. Which and you know who that is right now. You don't have to come on, Bill. You're, you're not signing Willie. Mitch, Willie. I don't know. Willie. Yeah, because yeah. Willie's going to cost nine whatever. And if you feel like Timo, ten. ten whatever. So if you feel like Timo is a yes bull, you know bull in a china shop version of Willie. Yes. Now you're yeah. Now there is a sense of making sense on that mm-hmm. that you're going to have to try to sign Timo Meyer at. I don't know, eight and a half, yeah. which could be $2 million less than Willie Nylander. But I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed Leaf fans uh, if you traded Timo Meyer right now for Willie Nylander. Yep. For sure. Too, but you, but you could, if you could have there's them one both. Who, for, uh, on the other side of the glass. If you could have them both for this season, you could probably talk them into it. I'm at, yeah. Imagine after all these years of not trading Willie Nylander, they trade him at his absolute best he's ever played for the Leafs. Not when that you're would, supposed to trade him? That would be... <laughs> So that's two general managers in this first block that we've discussed that uh, have to be in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Ken Holland and and Kyle Dubas. Yeah, those are there's career mass, defining say, weeks for Dubas. Massive and for Kenny Holland. Like if they like, is he going to be there another year if they flame out again? I don't know. They're having a lot of success. Tough. Uh, I don't know. It's a good no, question. Uh, I'm I'm with Sammy. I I think if uh, if the Oilers uh, flame out here, I don't think Kenny Holland's back. The problem I think with Ken Holland is he costs a lot of money, and you can probably find a GM who doesn't cost five million dollars a year. Well, he's got to do similar. I, I, would he be on the last year of his deal? Five years? I think so. Next year? 
Next year, maybe? Yeah. Google machine. I think this would be his his last uh, full year coming up next year. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a big deal to write off $5 million and maybe move off of it. But I don't know. I, I get the sense that the Oilers should be okay here for a couple of rounds and then get into that anything can happen conference final. Yeah. Well, you love if they can get some goaltending, boy, you love the, you know, the, the dudes who can score at random for them, so or at will, I should say. Right. Okay, let's hey, take and, a quick Oh, sorry. And just no, the, the last thing I'll say about the goaltending factor with them is they actually have an option this year outside of Mike Smith because last year they had Mike Smith and no one else and they just had to leave poor old Mike Smith in there letting in however many a game. Who was even the backup last year? Uh, was it Stu Skinner? No. Yes. Yeah, at times it was. Yeah. yeah. So, But now they have Jack Campbell, who, say what you will about his playoff stuff. I've seen it here. But Stu Skinner is a guy that you can throw in Listen, there for a few games here and there. Any any team, and we'll include the Toronto Maple Leafs on that, is just looking for that Darcy Kemper <laughs> recipe. Yeah. Just good enough. Make the Not great. we need you to make. Not Standing on your head and spinning, just be good. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Mike Kelly, hockey analyst, NHL Network, Sports Logic. He's going to come back after the break with us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we are back after these words. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, as promised, we're going to bring in Mike Kelly, hockey analyst specializing in analytics. Uh, he's going to break down every analytical uh, stat that we saw last Friday during the skills competition. <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Uh, on the beach with Mitch uh, in a Don Johnson suit? The Don Johnson suit. Um, well, Pasternak and Happy Gilmore. <laughs> what was that exactly? I didn't really understand what, what was, was going the, on. What was all of it? <laughs> That's a great um, question. It's like entertainment. Like time, That's yeah, what it was. Well, a long time ago, I went from you know what this is for the kids. It's not for me. If I don't get it, it's all good. I'm not the demographic. It's fine. And now I think I'm just like, well, all right. I guess this is for the sponsors and the host city and. Um, I, I, I always applaud taking risks and being creative. Um, and if it doesn't work, it's fine. I'd way rather that than no creativity. Um, so I, I give the league full marks for trying some new things here, but obviously some of them fell a little flat and they'll adjust to make Toronto the best all-star game ever next year. Okay. So clearly you didn't, uh, take any, uh, data in off of the skills competition <laughs> so let's let's move on no. to uh uh what you've been able to do at least on on twitter and that's uh mid-season nhl awards yeah uh well where do you guys want to start um you gotta start at the very really... top with the heart yeah so connor and then connor and then connor again. right just, just save a couple of seats for uh someone else in the building um Look, I had Pasternak and Ranton in there uh, as well. And, you know, where's Jack Hughes? You know, where you can get into all that stuff, too. You can, there can only be three. That's the answer to all those comments. But, um, 
that was my case. Like Pasternak, people will say, well, he's on Boston and they're still great. Well, he, you know, last time I checked, this was a few days ago when I was putting this together. He had 20 more goals than anyone else on his team. That's the biggest gap uh, from number one on a team to number two of any team in the league. So, you know, he's, he's certainly doing his fair share there. And then Rantanen, what he's carried with Colorado out, um, I think he should be in consideration at the very least. You'd mentioned, um, so we were just going through your uh, mid-season NHL awards. You know, we are talking Norris and you, uh, the Norris Award. You had Eric Carlson as the uh, the first place slot. I'm curious because you obviously are aware of his uh, his career. Has his defensive game game changed or been that much better? Does it just not matter given how great he's been offensively? Uh, I think it's closer to the latter. Yeah. Um, he, he hasn't turned into some you know stud defensive defenseman, um, you know by any means. But he, what he does offensively obviously contributes to what he doesn't even need to do defensively. And his skating is back to what it was in the mid 2000s when he was with Ottawa right. and the best defenseman in the league. And, you know, up there is one of the best players in the league. Like he look at the game last night, just times where he's completely controlling the flow of the game. And we haven't seen that from him. You know, I'd say since, you know, back in 2015, 16, those years, he's right back there. So um, I think he's a slam dunk. Number one, that's my opinion on the Norris. Here's the one thing on Carlson from my perspective Mm -hmm. is that this guy shines best when there is no clear second banana on his hockey club. He has to be the man. He has to control anything he wants when he's on that sheet of ice. When he, when San Jose needed him the most was when he needed to come in and share with Brent Burns, who still looks pretty darn good in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Once you get this guy in a situation with a lot of depth and a lot of egos and a lot of, you know, plenty to spread around, I don't think he shines as bright. And... Mike, last time I checked since I was seven years old, no matter how crappy a hockey team is, somebody's got to lead them in scoring. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. So the Burns thing was interesting because they they share, they want the puck a lot and they both have the puck a lot. They want to play in the first power play. Uh, I think there was a lot of overlap there, which makes it tough. And then it's like, well, do you split them on the power play or do you have those two guys both at the top? And they never really seemed to figure out a great balance. You put Burns with someone like Jacob Slavin, great complementary piece to what Burns has, right? That that makes, I think even intuitively, and we see on the ice more sense. Um, I don't know, like when, when Carlson was kind of doing his thing, that year that Ottawa went to the conference final very um unsuspectedly he was the man he was the man but he was the man on a team with you know good players as well like you know mark stone was there and um in terms of the blue line you're right he was the man yeah so that's yeah i'd say that's fair he played who did he play with mark mathot back then um defensive defenseman knew how to compliment carlson really well so i, I don't disagree with you but yeah. like is that a bad thing no no it's 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 it, it's not, but we've never seen him in a position to thrive uh, 
and I don't know. I mean, come on, let's be honest. The year they they got within one game, I guess, of a conference final, uh, they were the underdogs. They were the team that, that no one expected to be there. I just, for me, I was really disappointed uh, in in what I thought should have been maybe uh, the cherry on top of a Sunday for the San Jose Sharks when he signed there, when he surprised a lot of people in, in signing there. I th- I thought he was the missing piece. Yeah. Um, well, while we're on D, unless we're still... Yeah, no, we're I, good. Okay, we're good. Uh, well, on D, I want to talk about uh, Owen Power, who's a guy who you had second on your Calder list. He's an interesting guy to me because Calder so often is like, here's a guy who had the most points. Give him the award. But Power's playing, what, 22 minutes a night on a team that's pushing for a playoff spot that had been a cellar dweller? Is there some analytics, yeah. or is it just you seeing how his impact on the Sabres that make you like him that much? Yeah, well, both of it. Like like you said, the ice time is huge on a, on a team that's competitive. Um, he was about three minutes more per game than any other rookie this year. We're just talking about rookies. Right. Um, his poise with the puck, he doesn't turn it over. Uh, is exceptional for a young defenseman. I think there's a little bit more that, that I would value in a guy playing that position um, and doing it as well as he is, um, is incredibly impressive. So power to me is slam dunk top three and, you know, getting pucks out, not turning them over, you know, contributing uh, offensively, possessing it in the ozone, all things that are kind of hallmarks of good defensemen. He's doing it at, you know, in a lot of areas, top 60, top 50 top 30 among all defensemen already and you know tops among defensemen that are rookies so for me just even even kind of the traditional test alone is enough of what he's doing for that team in the role that he's in um and you talk about defense like or points you know when you look at rookies i think a lot of people can just look at matty veneers and say well goals and points that's why he's number one what matt veneers does as a rookie uh away from the puck is exceptional already getting to loose pucks and blocking passes and being disruptive and back checking. Like he he's already looking like he's going to be a, a terrific, terrific 200 foot all zone centerman. Um, again, you guys could speak more to that of how impressive that is of a, of a rookie playing center in the NHL to be that good off the puck already. So the Vesna, when is Allmark's bubble going to burst here? Uh, Buffalo really <laughs> wants to know. <laughs> maybe, maybe never on that team. Look, I give Allmark full credit for playing really well this year. Um, like, you know, one of the things that we use that I really value a lot, I don't value a ton catch-all metrics to evaluate a player. One area that I do is goal saved above expected for goalies because it takes shot quality into the equation, which is a massively important variable. And, Allmark's right up there, kind of top three in the league. So he's forget the fact that he plays on on Boston, which is also a great defensive team. He's also playing really, really well, and his numbers show that. Um, he was good towards the end in Buffalo as well. You just look at some of his numbers there; he was really good. And uh, so I'd have him in the top three. Um, but it's a, it's a great race because I think Allmark, Saros, Sorokin, Hellebuck, Ottinger, any one of these guys can come through with a post all-star break uh, stretch here and potentially even take it. Uh, I think it's a pretty good race. Yeah, it is. It's a really good one. You know, one of the things that you had listed, so your Selkie, you had Bergeron, Patterson, and Deneau. I'm curious about 
the metric that you guys have for just defensive plays and where Austin Matthew sits on that, you and you and I have talked about it. I've written about it. You know, he is far and away first in the NHL in this one metric that Sport Logic tracks. How do you value that when considering who's worthy of the best defensive forward in the NHL? A great question. Um, that's something that I think, you know, context matters. So uh, obviously what Austin Matthews does away from the puck and the things that go into that blocking shots, blocking passes. Um, that's one thing I, I, you hear sometimes. It's kind of funny. It's like, whoa, Austin Matthews blocked four shots. It's like, yeah, he's, since he came into the league, he's top 10 blocking shots amongst all forwards and he doesn't kill penalties. So he does that a lot. Um, but stick checks, all those things go into it. Um, now there's, there's things that, you know, I'm always careful, you know, know what you don't know. What are we missing? Um, the path that a guy takes on the ice to get to a certain spot. There, there's things that we're starting to learn but don't have huge samples on that would go into being good defensively and aware. Like Patrice Bergeron, beyond everything that we know about him and can quantify, there's more out there that we're going to know as technology gets better and we keep going with this uh, that's going to show how he's still the guy every single year. Um, so yeah, Matthews does show really well in a lot of those areas. He's really good, uh, really good defensive forward. Um, but you know, I look at who you play against as well. Do you kill penalties? Um, other things to kind of make a holistic view of what I, well, my interpretation of, of that award would be. seems like Bergeron's got this, uh, feeling moving forward that he's just going to take one year at a time. But I mean, in all honesty, he, he could he could easily play another four or five years. Yeah, it looks that way. It's, it's, uh, man, some of the injuries that he's had too, like this guy is yeah. tough as nails, obviously. Um, it's crazy. And, and people, I don't know, maybe there's some people that still think it's kind of a legacy thing. Well, the Selkie's kind of tough to define with, you know, stats that are available publicly and sort of give it to Bergeron. No, he's still the guy every year, as far as I can tell. Uh, he's still winning it every year. Yeah. So, and making two point five million this yeah, year. Yeah, that's nice to have on your team. At least could use that. Um, so <laughs> what's what's evolved, Mike? You know, like you you've been paying close attention to stats in the NHL for a lot of years now, and you know the thinking changes. I think as we better understand context for stats and things. How has your use of stats and understanding of stats changed as we learn more throughout the years? Um, that's a good, that's a good question. It, it, it's constantly evolving is what I've learned. And, you know, things that I may have really believed in a few years ago, um, I think being aware enough to be able to move off of that as, as new information comes out, um, is important. And I'll give you a really simple example. And this surprises some people that, you know, general hockey fans, um, even people that work in the business. So, you'll see a lot of times on a game, you know, one team's got 38 shots, the other team's got 27 and the team with 38 shots is losing or loses. And well, they outshot them, you know, played a good game. Well, maybe they didn't get as good a shots as the other team. And maybe they actually shouldn't have won. Um, over the last several years, teams that outshoot their opponent actually lose more than they win. And it's pretty simple as to why that is, so you know, effects. there's score effects. Exactly. But, um, you know, one of, the, one of the really interesting things I was doing yesterday, um, I'm a part of a mentorship program with a, a university here in Montreal and a student that I'm working with right now as, as a project that he's doing, looked at um, the win probability of teams that outshoot their opponents throughout the course of time in the NHL, 100 plus years. And 
60s, 70s, 50s, all that. You outshoot your opponent, you win. Because back then, you watch hockey, it's like bomb pucks at the net. And it's, there wasn't really a lot of thought of, you know, cycling and moving defensemen around and all that. But today it's different. So that's one thing that kind of surprises people when I tell them, yeah, if you outshoot your opponent, statistically, you don't win as often. Um, and uh, But there's, there's lots of examples like that where I've just kind of learned to move off of things that I I may have thought to be true before as new information becomes I, available. I almost think that uh, uh, they should almost scrap every shot on goal and just focus on maybe two or three areas of quality chances. That's the only ones I would care about. And again, it's all in the eye of the beholder. I don't know who's charting them. I don't but know. But that is an interesting thing. I, like I, I you'd don't... like to know chances instead of shots maybe as a I, I, I think yeah. there's more valuable uh, analytics yeah. than just being uh, wowed with a, a number of uh, 42 or 44. Yeah, you're down six and I, you heaved a bunch from I, the I'm outside. I'm not a huge analytical <laughs> guy, Mike, but I can tell you that I don't get excited if I hear... 40 or 45 shots if I've not watched the game. Mm-hmm. We're getting to you, Kipper. Oh, <laughs> I love it. God. I love it. We're breaking you down. Yeah. Well, that's know. Barry Trotz in a nutshell, is it not? He did, he had success as a team that they they didn't care about shots. They just cared about getting shots or allowing shots from the outside, not the inside, right? Oh, some of the, Sometimes you can see five, seven shots from the outside, and you're like, that's hey, the stupidest shot. <laughs> yeah, we'll All take you it. did is turn the puck over. Yeah. That's all you did with that shot on goal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And th- that's where I think, you know, what do we see oftentimes um, at the intermission going back to the period, whatever, when you see the graphic, it's the score, shots, yeah. hits, block shots, face-offs. Shots, hits, block shots, face-offs have almost no correlation to winning a hockey game. So I, I always try to balance it where some of it, the fans are interested in, and that's important. I think we should always show shots on goal because it is interesting and it it sometimes does tell a story, but to your point, and you guys do this now, and we work with, you know, media outlets and a lot of them do this now. We're seeing growth, which is great, but we're seeing things like scoring chances or slot shots or rush chances that can help tell the story of what's happening in the game and why the score is what it is. Yeah. So um, on this day, it's official. Now the term, a shot on goal is never a bad play is officially dead. We've laid it to rest. All right. We have laid it to rest, Mike. <laughs> there is such a thing as a bad shot on goal. Well, if I did, a, I did an article on this. It's one of those things that I did and I'm like, no one's going to care, but I just want to do it anyways. And um, it was about teams when they win a face off in the offensive zone, how a lot of the set plays that they make, we're get the puck to the point and try maybe try to move it to the middle, but point shots. And my thought was, well, you'd never get into the offensive zone and think, how can I get a point shot, right? It's kind of like a default last option. So why do teams do this on face-off plays that are set plays? Mm-hmm. And I talked to coaches about it, and you know, some of it is a practical reality. Look, you got wingers pressuring you. You don't have a lot of time. You, you kind of have to. Um, but what I learned in that is that, to your point, Kipper, a lot of the time, it ends up in a turnover. They shoot a puck, it gets blocked, it misses the net, whatever, the other team gets it. So, um, yeah, a lot of times shot volume can lead to turnovers. Calgary Flames are the example this year, or have been for most of it, of a ton of volume and not a lot of quality. Hmm. Yeah. One more for me, and that is, uh, I don't know, I guess outside of maybe Pat Kane, and we know there's a no-move or move 
situation there. Is the sexiest forward out there now, Timo Meyer? And uh, what are your thoughts on on his value? Yeah, he's a he's a big one. He's uh, I heard Borny talking about him. Um, just you know, he, he pretty much is a ten million dollar player when you look at his qualifying offer in terms of the value he brings. Tons of shots, tons of quality, tons off the rush. Um, God, a contender gets him, they're going to be in great shape. And uh, I, I think he's probably the most biggest impact guy. But again, like I look at teams, like I look at last year. I think one of the best signings last year, or one of the best moves was Colorado getting Arturi Lekkanen because he filled such a useful purpose for that team that had enough skill, had enough scoring. He's a puck retriever, disruptive wall guy, and he can you know provide some offense too. Um, I never discount those guys um, in terms of kind of filling in the rest of a puzzle on an already good team. Is, but yeah, Meyer in terms of scoring ability off, see, like he, he's phenomenal. And Lekkanen didn't cost them, I think, a first rounder. I don't know what it was. It was multiple picks, but I don't think it was a first rounder. Is there a, a second and a player? Thank you, Sammy. Is is there another Lekkanen out there right now that uh, you can quickly think of? Because I, um, I don't know him. I don't know look, who. Tom, top of my head someone who can maybe do a bit of that would be like a barbashev um okay yeah all right, guy yeah, who can that, play right. on the walls and yeah. yeah he'd kind of be in that mold in a, in a way um but I, I wouldn't say they're the same like I, if you know lekkanen brings uh, a little more versatility yes. but a little smarter but yeah, too like so we can talk about this another time because i'm sure you guys have other guests to get to that don't ramble on as much as i do um toronto's playing tampa right pretty much for sure yeah how do you beat Tampa Bay? Like if you're the Leafs, that's God, probably you what have you're. An answer? Just you're score more at. goals. <laughs> score more goals, baby. Shot volume, pound those shots. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I think one of the ways you can beat Tampa, you look at a lot of the goals they've given up this year, especially lately, five on five. You put pucks behind their defensemen. It's old school, but you can beat them on the walls. I think uh, and create turnovers. Um, guys like that that are big on the wing can help you do that. All right. Love it. Love it. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Mike. Anytime, guys. Cheers. Mike Kelly. Matthew Nyes, baby. Go get the puck. Beat him on the walls. Okay, so Matthew I'm, hearing, I'm hearing right now Kyle's having some shorter conversations when it comes to what he's looking for because everybody is throwing Nyes out there to come back. To come back. Everyone wants their way. Oh, yes. And. But everyone wants them. And everybody wants them. And right now, Kyle, uh, three weeks out, is not in a position to tip his hand. We need to ask Spookala about that when we have him on after because he's been looking at some nice stuff. Nice look like he had a big weekend. I know he scored at least his 17th of the year, which in college hockey is pretty darn good. And. was already named a finalist, right, for the Hobie Baker? I did not know that. I'm seeing that now. Sammy? Yes, he's yes. yeah, yeah. He's in the in the vote for it with a handful of other people. Anyway, if that's isn't it a final three? Or I is don't it, know. Or to be honest, Kipper, like I don't know. Twenty. You're a college <laughs> I'm, guy. I'm googling it as we're talking. It. Did you not play in the NCAA? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean I pay attention to it now. Yep. Played in the East Coast League too. Couldn't tell you half the teams in the league. <laughs> the Wheeling Nailers. It's a great name. The Orlando Solar Bears. <laughs> the Florida Everblades. The three teams I played for. Um, I don't know anyone else. All right, Sammy, what are we going to do? We're going to well, go to break? I, just, I loved your realization there, Kipper, about shot quality. Yeah. 
It's felt like a little bit of a come to Jesus moment there. No, for you. it's not. I've always felt like that, but I don't like you know mask it with a lot of stupid other. Just uses uh, words, not numbers. numbers. Uh, information of uh, <laughs> you know. I'm evolving. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's our segment called again? Useful, useful or yeah, useless? useless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not buried in all the useless stuff. It's true. Well, Timo Meyer gets a lot of shots. Boys, he does pull the trigger. I have been in the lab why back would, here. Uh, I cannot wait to give you these trades. I am labbing it up. Why would San Jose want to get rid of a guy like that? I don't understand, to be honest, why a lot of these bad teams want to get rid of everyone good. Like, you need some um, bodies. Uh, this young gentleman named Connor Bedard. They have something to do with that? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's 30 games left. Hang and on only to one guy, one team can get him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he would like to be that team by sucking. Well, enjoy your 18.5% chance compared to my 13.5%. As opposed chance. to a guy who's 6'2 and has 30 goals in the NHL <laughs> yeah, right now. Right. Okay. Why don't we take it to break so we can get back faster to Sammy with his ridiculous trade? Proposals. They're not even that ridiculous. They're they're not any of them. Oh, now I'm really curious. Okay. All right. That and Jason Bukala. After the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Borden. Hey. This is Real Kipper and Borden on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Okay. Waiting on Jason Bukla, now the official uh, scout of Bill Kipper and Bourne. Yeah. Him and uh, Aunt Beth. <laughs> Bukla also has the pro hockey group he's the founder of. Um, but yes, Aunt Beth has Sam, done a tremendous this job. This is about uh, the time Sammy gets us uh, on a call. He's going to get us on a call with Jason. We're going to barely hear him. We're going to ask him to call us back. Twice. Jason's in a canoe in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. Jason, I'm just warning you right now. I don't know if you caught our show the other day, but you will be dropped by Sammy <laughs> two more times before we actually get a full question in. Are you are you okay with that? You know, I don't want to throw any producer under the bus because, you know, I am a rookie on set, but uh, I have heard recently some dropped uh, calls. <laughs> so, uh, um or some fluff, at least in the background, like people are talking with, uh, you know, cotton balls in their mouths. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm happy to be here. Okay, so uh, three weeks. So in your opinion, uh, you know, you've experienced something like this in the past uh, with uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, how much work has already gone in? How many lines are in the water? How many deals could come between now and the actual deadline? Lots of work's been done, I can tell you that. I mean, I think that uh, given Toronto's situation, I mean, we've all looked at the standings and figured out who their first-round opponent's going to be. It seems like, I don't know, since November almost, it feels like that. And uh, so, you know, you start to look at it and you start to say to yourself right away, well, what 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 didn't we do well or what, what could we have done better last year, not only to get through a round, but hopefully have some sustainability after that. So certainly after Christmas time, uh, pro meetings, amateur meetings, they started to really uh, formulate a plan. And, uh, you know, I've been going through it. You know, Barney and I were just kind of talking the last few days on the side, just, you know, coffee talk type stuff. And there's a lot that goes into it, though, Kipper. And and, and we all know that, right? Like when we're on this side of the fence, we know it. Uh, But there's a lot of things trending behind the scenes that, uh, 
uh, in preparation uh, for this trade deadline, uh, not just salary cap and player related. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So, Bukes, when you're working for a team and, you know, what kind of requests might you get as you move up to the deadline? Like, is it, hey, what do you know about this player? Or is it multiple players? What sort of things would a team want to know? How nimble would you have to be to help out a team as they prepare for the deadline? I'm pretty, uh, I like to try and stay in my lane as much as possible on the amateur side. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, and when you're in my position, after you drafted a prospect, um, you're still out and about. You're probably seeing the prospect more than some other guys on your staff just because, you know, they're in the Ontario League or wherever they are. And um, you don't get involved in player development. But having said that, um, I'm tracking all of the dra- previously drafted players as a director uh, around the world when I'm traveling. So, you know, I see a kid playing in Sweden, you know, wherever, Finland, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, like if somebody, uh, you know, if I'm scouting for the Anaheim Ducks, for example, and, and they're talking about potentially having, you know, a deal on the table of Toronto. And, and part of the conversation is Topi Nimala, and I'm in Finland. You know, I'm doubling down on, on coverage, live coverage mm-hmm. in the arena on players like that. So, Jason, so, uh, I, I, I've spoken to a couple of teams that, uh, you know, keep dropping out of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the name Matthew Nyes. And, I mean, when you're three weeks away or, you know, even months earlier, when you have those conversations and that name comes up and Kyle's not tipping his hand, how, how long do those conversations go before Kyle comes back and says, uh, you know, I'm not letting you know one way or another, but, uh, you know, what else can we talk about? Or are they short conversations? And, and then Kyle exposes his hand uh, right at the last minute. I think that it's going to be closer to the last minute. I mean, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some cap related movement and, you know, that's required there. He's getting calls on knives. He's been getting calls on knives for, you know, going back to, you know, I think we all talked about this kind of thing last year, even. And um, so these aren't new phone calls. People are calling him to say, Hey, listen, just remember, you know, I want first dibs on this player or, you know, I haven't given my best offer tease, tease, you know, whatever the case may be. And, um, one thing that uh, I've, you know, I was I was on your show recently, and I talked about, you know, being all in this year, and, and we did talk about Nice. Um, one thing I want, uh, I'm doing a lot of preparation right now for all the Canadian teams, and so I started the Leaf one. It's it's a couple weeks out. It, it takes a lot, but um, one of the things on Nice that I want people to understand is that um, I think we would all be in agreement that the Leafs need somebody who can go to the hard areas consistently, mm-hmm. not only to extend plays, but to score goals. I'm talking about some, you know, Bunting gets around the crease and he's a rat and he gets it done. But, you know, there isn't a lot of secondary layers, third layers around the net um, on the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, roster. So uh, 99%, it's, it's a, an anomaly. I've never seen this. I swear to goodness in 20 years, and I've never seen this before. 99% of Nye's offensive chances that he's generated this year have come between the hash marks and the middle of the ice. So Jeez. 99%, 99% of his shots directed on goal have come from high danger, or at least I'm not talking the wide flank or from just inside the blue line. I'm talking about all the hard areas, all of his goals have been scored. If we, if we could paint the, you know, a 12 by 12 square, pretty much out front the net, all of his goals, I think with the exception of maybe one have been scored in that area. So, you know, I think back to the glory days when we had like a Dave Andrew truck in Toronto, everybody knew he was going to the net, right? Like there's no question. Andrew mm-hmm. truck was going to the net, but he scored 50 goals from there and, you know, you couldn't defend it. So, 
I'm 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 all in on Toronto, but what I'm presenting to Kyle, if you were to ask me today, is hey, listen, take a look at this because this is a need going forward. It might be able to be a mid-range filler for now that's good enough. Let's fill something else on the back end with our money because I think this kid can come out of school and maybe he could do this for us. Well, and typically when you would ever trade a prospect, you know, in a deal at the deadline, I presume you would have some sort of at least doubt about what the player is or the player may become when you hear something like that and you become more confident that this is a guy who's going to be a valued piece, it's got to get even harder to move off of that player. So do you think then that the Leafs, there's a possibility they just say, hey, we think too highly of this guy. He's not going to go in a trade and we're going to see if he can contribute this year? Yeah, I think that that possibility is becoming more of a reality. The one wrinkle in it, of course, is that Minnesota is the number one ranked team in NCAA hockey. Now, right. Frozen Four is going to be done in early April. It's not, you know, this isn't this isn't the end of the world. But as you know, it's a huge leap. Uh, you know, you got travel. You got uh, where you got. When I talk about stuff behind the scenes, like there's a big difference between a college bus ride and a college practice playing twice a week. Uh, coming into the, the the battle at the NHL level at the hardest time of year. You know, planes, hotels, diet, sleep, media, zones, media us, you know. And, and this kid will be under the microscope big time. So, yeah, the media alone, Kipper, it's, it's something that uh, behind the scenes, player development, and I know the Leafs have people in place, uh, they look after the kids that way too to protect them. So, um, hey, would it be a little bit overwhelming? Possibly. Is it worth the risk? I'm starting to lean that way. I have to be honest. Like, um, the more I've, dive, I've dove into it here the last couple of months, I'm starting to think more and more like he's maybe the guy and let's go spend some money on the back end. Because if you look at Tampa Bay, and I know I'm going on a little bit here, but Tampa Bay's model, they, they have a model that works, right? They already know what it is. And if you, you know, they go back and they get the, the Bogosians and they're, they're maybe in the Shen waters again. And then, you know, David Savard might be a guy. Like, they have this formula that works. The Leafs are getting closer to finding a formula. But I think that on the back end, the meat and potatoes of a playoff run is going to have to – is going to take more wear and tear. So, maybe Nice fits in up front. You go shop somewhere on the back end. It costs you less assets and less, less cap. You might be able to get a couple players. We're talking to Jason Bukala, current analyst with Sportsnet, former director of amateur scouting for Florida you know, Jason, it's almost as if that we've heard the name Matthew Nyes forever, that uh, he's just, he's the it thing uh, in Toronto when it comes to prospects. And there isn't even like one other uh, sexy name that we would even begin to think about right away for Kyle to have options to sell if you're going to keep Nyes. Who, who is that? Is it Fraser Minton out in the West Coast League and... In Kamloops, is it uh, uh, Topi Nimala? Like, who is it? Who, who else has he got to dangle? There's nobody else he has to dangle. I, I don't want to be... <laughs> okay, I don't, good answer. Uh, yeah, like, I don't want to... And it's not because Fraser Minton's not going to be a good player. It's because in relation to where, what I'm going to be selling you this year, if I'm the team that's selling the, whoever it is, okay, I'm looking at your first-round pick, and I'm also looking at Nyes. So Nyes is a second-round pick who's now performing like a first-round pick out of that draft. Or, or that top 10. Or top yeah, five. Exactly. You know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So his value is on the rise. So, like, 
when I peel back the onion on knives, if I'm advanced scouting knives in a potential trade and I'm the Anaheim Ducks, I don't care who you are, Arizona, um, for year over year, so he's pushing the play more up ice with and without the puck. He's killing penalties. He's scoring goals in overtime. He's already done all that other stuff that I've talked to you about that we knew he could do, but now the rest of his game has evolved, and he's showing the intelligence to be able to do a lot of different things, which is really important. You know, If you can have a secondary layer on the penalty kill or, or you know, a matchup on a four-on-four scenario where you've got a big heavy guy who can skate and match up physically four-on-four, what a bonus that is. Here's the thing. Their prospect pool, not deep enough in relation to anybody else compared to Nyes, which makes your first-round pick uh, you know, in play. And I'm going to actually suggest that the, the Ottawa third that they hold, that could also become a, you know, a target for a team as they start to get more greedy. Hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a Leaf fan, listening to you, I'm extremely disappointed right now. Cause all you just it's a great did, interview, by the all way. you just did in the last <laughs> three minutes is tell me that if we don't give up Matthew Nyes, we ain't getting anybody any good. Well, I just, they're not going to move a roster player that I can think of. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've gone through a little bit of this as well. And I mean, what's the value with all those UFAs going out the door? I mean, you know, depending on, I guess, who you are, I mean, it'll be money in, money out. The Leafs also want to have some depth come playoff time. So they don't really want to move a roster guy out. Um, I'm just trying to be realistic. If I'm, if I'm a team buying, um, I'm going hard after Nyes and I'm going, these other guys, Nimala, he's a maybe. You know, I haven't seen as much of a step forward as I would have liked out of him up to this point in time. They got a kid at college. He's a seventh-round pick, believe it or not. That's Ryan Turberg. He's a great player. Alexander Steves down at the Marlies. I really like the way Steves play. But we're not talking about anybody who's played NHL games and doesn't have the same pedigree as Nyes or the first-round pick that the Toronto Maple Leafs have this year. So if they do have to make a, a trade for a bigger player and they have to move some money out, you're talking about looking at different roster guys. The name that comes up fairly regularly is Alex Kerfoot. You know, he's a pretty versatile guy, plays up and down their lineup, wing, center, all that. Um, what are your thoughts on how important he is, how he's looked for them? What's uh, Where are you at on him? Uh, you know, I would, I would move on Kerfoot if it was the ask and a deal or if it was satisfying the uh, the buyer on the other end. I mean, he does have a 10-team no-trade list, so there's something to be considered there. But the money is right in that, you know, when you're making 3-5, and so 3-5 is kind of an interesting number because if you're going to go shop for a guy and the other team is going to retain salary and, you know, you got to get a third team involved, like 3-5 on the cap hit side, it's, it's, it is what it is. But the actual cash money, most of it's paid out, right, guys, by that mm-hmm. time. So it's not a big deal. Um Kerfoot, uh, you know, I'm the Leafs. Still, the Leafs aren't going to win or lose a Stanley Cup with Kerfoot, uh, but they have more of an opportunity. Pardon me, they they they're going to necessarily win a Stanley Cup just because Kerfoot's in their lineup. Some other guys in the, on the landscape definitely would be an upgrade. I would I would supplant Nyes. You know, if I if I was put on the spot right now, okay, we've got this guy to play in the roster, this guy in the roster. Nyes is coming out. What do you think? I'm, I'm going nice because I thought Kerfoot was an outlier last year in playoffs. I don't like the Kerfoot for all his speed. doesn't get to any of the hard areas ever, it seems, like ever. Like, in his last 10 games, and I, I don't want to beat up the guy, but in his last 10 games, these are honest conversations. Yeah, He's had six high-danger shots, like between the hash marks, in the last 10 games. Not good. 
<laughs> Kipper hears that and goes, "Yeah, come on, guys. We've been saying this for like a year and a half, two years. And a nice little water bug, but not going through anybody in the playoffs." Yeah. Hmm. So throw in your yeah, that, that's a, nice. That's that's a name. That's a name. But um, they got to be all in, though. Uh, I think we would all agree with that. Well, and, uh, no, this, but you're yeah. you're giving up nice if you're all in. That's what you're telling us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Well, or you're adding a couple of nice pieces on the back end because you're still a little bit, uh, you know, like, are you guys 100%? I know the coach loves Hall, but are you 100% come Tampa Bay on the road that Hall is going to be, you know, like, it'd be nice to get some heavy protection on the back end. You know, Muzzin's out. Um, You know, I don't know who that is going to be. You like that Gabrikov? I like Gabrikov. I think that, uh, I think there's a lot of hype on him right now, though. Like, doesn't it feel like, it's yes. kind of built up its own animal a little bit. Uh, um, David Savard? I like David Savard. Yeah, I know, but David Savard got built up like that it's and then the ended up a 5-6 in Tampa Bay. He did, but that's what he's going to be if, on, a, on a high-end team. Yes. So 114 block shots, uh, I think third on the Montreal Canadiens in, in, in hits, and he's in the way all the time. So, um, I mean... You know, good good teams have those guys in the bottom of the lineup. It's just it's just the way it is. The other thing that uh, may hurt the Leafs is that their first rounder is twenty seven to thirty two, thirty one or thirty. Right? I mean, it's it's a low first round pick. But the only thing that I will say to that in this draft cycle is that 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 low first round pick Kipper would be similar to a mid mid first round pick last year because of the depth of the draft pool. Okay. That's so, good to know. So, so teams are going to put a different value on that pick than they would in normal years. Yeah. That's a, a, I guess a good year to, to be trading a pick that is in the lower end of things. So is the, you know, the deadline heats up here. Who do you, are there any teams out there that you see as being particularly active? Is there, you know, that the Boston Bruins going to make a move. I, I guess let me narrow that down for you. Are the Leafs competitors going to be active? Do you think Boston ads or Tampa ads within the division here? Well, I think Tampa's, uh, again, going back to their model, I think they're absolutely going to add something on the back end. They're going to find a way to make it fit. I don't have their cap in front of me right now, but you know they're going to be tight to it and they're going to find a way because they already have historically done that. Um Boston, I feel the same way. I mean, I see some of these big names getting thrown out in Boston, like the the Chickerins, for example. I'm not sure about Chickering. I don't. I don't feel like that's really what their what their mode is. Like, I don't. I feel like they, again that they're more heavy lifting instead of Chicker. Like Chickering's a two way D guys. It's not really over, overly. He's not. He's a bumper more than he's a banger. And and you know he's going to bring you puck movement and some other things. He's a nice piece to have. I just don't know what the deadline. He's the kind of guy you, you add to take you over the top. So is Boston going to shop? I think, again, it's just the same recycled names. You know, the, the Shens, the Edmondsons, the Gavrikovs, the, you know, maybe the Savards. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens out west. I know that we're probably short on time, but I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Edmonton does too because, you know, from a hockey operations perspective, um, you got all these high-end players on some of these teams, and it just feels like, Every year gone by is another year closer to them and that, that silly conversation that it's not going to work here. You know, you're getting closer and closer to the windows closing with those high-end guys. And, and every year the dry settle and McDavid don't, uh, don't go to the, the ultimate level. I, I kind of think last year was a little bit of an anomaly, um, you know, because they've been just okay overall this year. 
Every year gone by is a year lost, and then you start chasing it before you know it. Yeah, we had that conversation in the, the first block of uh, our show. One, uh, one more for me, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Jason, we heard from uh, Kent Hughes talking about Josh Anderson, and if you take it for face value, he's not moving him. Or if you don't take it for face value with his words of, uh, we need to be uh, you know, absolutely blown away with an offer, uh, is there a... You know, a crypto message to any general manager who's made an offer, uh, make it better? Uh, probably, <laughs> to be honest with you, probably. Um, I don't think Montreal moves on him or moves him. I think that uh, when you look at the makeup of the group, you know, they've got some, uh, even there's some of their bigger people that they have up front right now. Um, they don't protect themselves really well physically in games. And then they got a lot of smaller kind of uh, stature people. I think that uh, it would be unwise for Montreal to move Anderson out. Um, and if I was a buyer on Anderson, I would be more interested if that contract started with a four instead of a five. Um, but 20 goals and some, some meat and potatoes uh, in the playoffs, uh, you know, if it's 5-5 five, five and it costs you something, so be it. Uh, but he's overpaid for what he does right now. Hey, Jason, really appreciate your time. I know you're uh, working real hard, and uh, it, it'll snap uh like this uh, and you're going to be March 3rd. So really appreciate your time. Uh, anytime guys. Thanks. Thanks. Nice appreciate it. All right. Jason Bukla. I like, I like those conversations. Oh man, but they are, they do put reality. Well, this is the point of the conversations, but they do make you look at reality. Don't they? Sammy, <laughs> get your butt into this conversation. Okay, so now that Jason Bukla came on and just, a real reality check by Crapped on all my ideas that I had just cooked up over here. We'll, we'll go through them. Hey. Oh, I mean, listen. I think you're, he's. I think not... he's right. But I think he's right for the huge impact guys. Like you're not getting Meyer without Nyes. Like there's any Leaf fan listening to this, you're kidding yourselves. Like you think Timo Meyer is going to come to the Leafs without them trading Matthew Nyes the other way? Like you think you're getting Jacob Chikrin without Matthew Nyes going the other way? Like. I don't think you have to give up Matthew Nyes if you're going for a lower-level ad. But for the high-level guys, obviously you're trading Nyes. Like, that's it's pretty clear. Like I, I, that, none of, nothing what he said there surprised me. Yeah. So, are you, so, are you guys ready or, or no? I, Kipper's going to make fun of me, but I, I've, been, I've been in the lab back here. Listen, don't let Kipper ruin your fun. No, I'm right? not. Uh, I'm going to give you an ad Beth cookie uh, <laughs> the rest of the segment. So there's, there's going to be a really common thread in a lot of these trades, and it involves Alex Kerfoot, who he said is terrible. So that's, that's tough. <laughs> but, I think he said he's terrible. <laughs> he doesn't get anywhere useful. He doesn't shoot it from a good spot ever. Right. So I would mention Tyler Pertuzzi. So this is one of the, on the smaller end of one. So you need Alex Kerfoot to make the money work. Okay. And you're putting in Nicholas Robertson, who... Maybe have some value still. It's up in the air, but right. still a B-level prospect. You're throwing in that third-round pick that Bukula talked about, the Sens pick, for Bertuzzi. That's not happening. Kerfoot, Robertson, and a third I got for Tyler Bertuzzi. I got nothing. Got You've given me nothing. You're giving me a guy on an extending contract uh, on, or whoa, an expanding whoa. contract. Who, not? Expiring or? contract. Kerfoot. But you think Kerfoot? Yeah. I, I got no use for Kerfoot. Okay. Right? He's nothing to me. Nick Robertson, I don't know if he'll ever play. So, but I mean, you're going to lose Berduzzi for nothing or take a pick that said that a guy that says has value and you get, you know, a guy that's you're buying low on a guy. Uh, Bertuzzi is not a third rounder. 
I think there is a good conversation to make about what Robertson is at this deadline because Bunkus and I disagree on what he is. Yeah. Uh, So does he have value to another team when they look at Nick Robertson and say, sure, throw him in the package? I, outside of uh, come to camp, uh, let's see what you can do. There's a little salary retained on that contract as well. Uh, The for the um, I mean he's young still, mm-hmm. so you're not you're not turning him away as one of I don't know fifty five guys in training camp. He's a high ceiling guy, right? Like he could turn into a guy who can score some goals. High pick, he could can score. Right His now, brother's one of the better players in the NHL. All he's done uh, at the very best is maybe help me uh, win some games in the American Hockey League. Okay. I have uh, he's. He's damaged goods, first of all, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's taking a beating. I don't know whether or not it's because he's had bad luck or he's just one of those guys that finds himself in situations that uh, leave himself vulnerable. And there there, there are guys. I've played with guys like oh, yeah. uh, where I just shake my head and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're, You're going to get hurt. Hit there, yeah. And that's the way they look at Nick Robertson right now. There's there's nothing out there. So no value in a trade. Not not what it was. No. Not what it was. But I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi has two goals this year and you know, he's not like Maybe. lighting the world on fire and he's a UFA next year. I don't think his value should be as high as I don't think that's a terrible you think that's a terrible offer. You'd you'd uh, laugh you're, me you're off the phone. You gave me pieces that mean nothing to me, okay. Sammy. You gave me two pieces that mean nothing to me. But you're a, you're a rebuilding team. The, the Detroit Red Wings, you're in a transitional time in your franchise. You're looking for guys that could potentially come up and help. Yeah. Nick Robertson has pet it. That's, what, that's how I'm selling it to you. Anyways. What if the Leafs say you can have our 27th overall pick, you retain half on Bertuzzi, and we'll take Tyler Bertuzzi at $2.3 million for the – take him to the end of the deal. No? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's better. Say that again? If you, the Leafs first, yeah, alone no with full retention, fifty yeah. percent retention from Detroit. First round pick for Tyler Bertuzzi. Come on, you'd have to extend him. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Okay, you that's know what. what. And I've not watched Bertuzzi enough to really. He's just a pain in the ass, assist. and he can score. Yeah. He's had a thirty yeah. goal year. He's had a couple twenty goal yeah. years. He's no, a pain no. in the ass. He can, he score. can. but yeah. is he healthy? Yeah, he's back. He's healthy. He played last night. He twenty-seven years old, <laughs> six one two hundred. Yeah. Okay. There's my next one. Chicago Blackhawks. All right. And it doesn't involve Taser King. Oh, I can't wait to poop on this. I have a... Okay, go ahead. So the, the trade package includes our boy Alex Kerfoot, of course, because you need him for the money. Rasmus Sandin. And two third-round picks, including the Senators one. All right. For Max Domi at 50% retained. Jake McCabe at 10% retained. And Sam Lafferty at 50% retained. First off, I love what you're doing here. Thank you. The the retention considerations are. Well, I'm using cat, use a cat friendly trade machine. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, this is approved by the league. Okay, Domi yeah. McCabe laughing all day long, all day long, all for day the, long for the Leafs. Yes. What about for does does uh, our boy Kyle Davidson and the other Kyle hang up the phone when I call him that? Uh, Sandine and two thirds, basically. Uh, no, he does not hang up the phone. I think you've got I think you've got something here. You like this one? Yeah, I do. I just got to say, I don't know about this Jake McCabe fellow. Well, I don't know either, but all I know is that uh, I've got a little bit more depth with 
domey up front and some grit and some attitude. Sam Lafferty, kind of gritty guy too, hits. You know, can McCabe come in and saw off Sandine? I have no idea. I think I like Sandine the player more. I know McCabe has a bit of a edge to him, and, but yeah, uh, I think yeah. more brain farts. And I think Jake McCabe is under contract for the following season as At well. Four. So you have a, it fills Kyle Dubas's love to not trade for a pure rental at the deadline. Mm. So you like that one? Well, it, I got help. I got help on the blue line, and I get help up front. Okay. Barney, but, accepting or or denying? As the Toronto okay. Maple Leafs? Yes. Probably accepting. Okay. But uh, I'm going to remind you and anyone else moving forward on Max Domi. Mm-hmm. Kyle had a chance to get him for significantly less than the $3 million Chicago paid, and he didn't want him. Yep. Has he changed his mind? Maybe. I mean, he sees the way his bottom six looks with the lack of grit and scoring. I mean, it's the guy that can – he's not necessarily – he's not his dad, but he, he mixes it up and he scores. You know what I he's think – He's a guy of, I would like in the bottom six, at least. You know what I think about is uh, when Tony D'Angelo went and played for a million bucks for the Canes or whatever and then was wonderful for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's an element of Domi that still, like, needs to go somewhere and prove himself. I understand that he's not any behavior issues – but he needs to be a part of a contributing team. I think he did, he did that in Chicago, did he not? I don't know. Has he? I don't watch that team. They're terrible. <laughs> I know, but he's had a good yeah. season. Yes. Okay. So is that enough for you? You I, don't think it's worth more to him to come to Toronto and be a part of a playoff run and show he can He's, had 30, he's got right 35 things? points in 49 games so far this year. That's great. Chicago. I mean, someone's going to score. Tough to get points on that team. Someone's going to score, though. Yeah. Okay, my next one. Ready? And this one I actually really like. I actually really like them all, but the first one, Kipper, made me feel really dumb about it. Hey, can so. you just spit it out and stop patting yourself on the back? <laughs> no, I will never. Okay, so this one's with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I'm including, again, Alex Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall. That poor guy's been, like, all over North America in Pierre- the last oh. two minutes. <laughs> Pierre Engvall. Engvall. Who's this trade for? Um, Fraser Minton in a first-round pick. And I'm asking for Patrick Boone Liner. Jenner, Boone Jenner, Jonas Corpusalo, and Vlad, and, uh, Vlad Gavrikov, and the th- their third round pick coming back our way. I feel like that is a lot for CBJ to give Toronto. I don't, I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold on Boone. No. No. In terms for the Leafs. Yeah. Like you don't think he's good. Like that's. I, I think he's fine. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Difference maker. It's huge. Corpusalo, yeah, I don't think he's had a very good year. No, he hasn't, but he's goalie insurance, like we've been talking about. He's kind of your your quote unquote your uh, Riddick. I, I, you got to get rid of a goalie, Sammy. Well, when you when you Murray can't, you can't when Murray goes on LTIR, Corpusalo and uh, when Murray goes on no, LTIR, you gotta get, no, he's not going on <laughs> okay. LTIR. He's, okay, wants to play. He's just repeatedly going okay. on STIR, the you short term. You can't just add that. What's Corpusalo make? Not much. What three? Uh, yeah, there's some retention in this involved. Uh, there's no retention involved in this trade, by the way. So he makes no, he doesn't make that. He makes one point three. One point three. Yeah. Okay. Jenner but and I gotta, I, gotta get, I gotta send a goalie back. Okay. I I I wouldn't send a goalie back. I think you can. I think. 
they may need three goalies. So I'm holding on. There you go. So from the Leafs, I'm getting the D I need and Boone Jenner up front. Some insurance I'll in I'll tell that. you what I'm not doing, mm-hmm. and I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of Engvall. I need wow. Engvall. Wow. I do need Engvall. I'll take Engvall over Boone Jenner, I, I think. Oh, Engvall is saying? six foot five and can skate. Yeah, great. I need that. Zero career playoff goals I don't, in 17. Yeah, I know. I get it. Zero He's career not, hits. He wouldn't be my first first choice on mm-hmm. uh, on on many a nights if I had to pick other players. But beggars can't be choosers here. And at least this guy can give my team uh, an attitude of speed and quickness and. Mm. I don't know. He's shooting the puck a little better than I, he I has in the past. I said to Sam before the show that, you know, I think sometimes we undervalue, like, things that Kerfoot does in terms of just being able to skate the puck up through, because he's faster than everyone, and Engvall's the same way, where he takes the puck from the Leafs yeah. end to the other end I'll of the ring. I'll rink. take Engvall over Kerfoot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. No question. Poor, poor old Kerfy fell right off the, uh, the okay. bandwagon. Yeah. Right? All right, now we're getting... now we're get, penalties, though. Now we're getting sexy. It's time for the San Jose Sharks. Oh, boy. So I'm sorry to tell you again that your favorite player in the league, Pierre Engvall, on the way out the door. (laughs) Alexander Kerfoot also on the way out the door. (laughs) Our other favorite player, Matthew Nyes, on the way out the door. Mm. That Ottawa third-round pick and the second-round pick in 2024 for the Leafs. Oh, my God. For for Timo Meyer and Steven Lorenz, who is a 6'4 center who's got 10 points this year, big guy, can play center, can play wing, bottom six guy. I don't think they can fit Timo yep. in that's the salary what the, cap. That's with 10% retained salary for Timo Mark. 10%. Oh, okay, I didn't yeah. hear that part. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't say that part till right now. So, sorry, Nyes the first? No, no first. A, okay. se- a second in 2024 and a third round pick from Ottawa in Nyes 2023. Nyes second, Buddy, third. For the Leafs. Kerf, Engv. All day long. No way, Sharks? I don't think. Uh, I wish I knew anything about Lorenz. Listen, he's if, a six foot if, four center, if, can play the wing. If Nyes is what Jason just told us, uh, and you believe that this guy can come in and and in two years be Timo, yeah, I'm doing it from San Jose. I just get a younger, younger Timo Meyer. So you don't. I, so you're not doing it if you're the Leafs. There is so oh, I'm much. Doing it if I'm the so, so that's a, so that's a yeah, that's I'm doing a win it for the Leafs too. You know why? Because I, I believe that the window is now. Okay. And yeah. So much fear if you're Kyle Dubas trading right now. <laughs> you know, what is the ceiling? Someone's going to take a big dump this year. It's what not is gonna the be ceiling me. for Nice? I don't you, know. You know that well, don't you? Taking the, the dump? The dump part? <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. It's, he can't find it right now. Good. Good. Uh, okay. So this one is ridiculous, but everyone's loving the chat. So let's get ridiculous. Um, we are going to go to Phoenix now or Arizona. I'm really enjoying this. Thank you. And the first name off the board is, of course, Matthew Nice. Rasmus Sandin, the Kerfoot and Angval boys, <laughs> your 2024 first, a third and a fourth oh my God, for Jacob Sam. Chikrin and Lawson Krause. Done. With 15% retained salary on Krause and done. Chikrin. Done, done. What do you mean done? I'm t- uh, Leafs, take it, run, take them. You got Nice in there. You got your first in yeah. there. You got done. Sandine in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, 
Yep. Like that trade. Do you think Bill Armstrong likes that trade? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. It's a blockbuster, boys. Can it's you imagine? Blockbuster. Can you imagine our show? Busted. It's a blockbuster, and I'm all in for the Leafs. This is uh, this this will get me this will get me uh, a, a good run at Tampa and Boston. Kraus is retained is under contract at four point three till twenty seven. So is Chikrin. Chikrin's at four point six till twenty five. Locked in. Locked in. So you're getting a lot of years of contracts of the good players you're getting. So, Nye's a first. They're looking at eight million. What else you got? Nine oh, million between them. I had. I got it. I got Nye's, Nye's Sandine, Kerfoot, Pierre Engvall, a first, a third, and a fourth. And that's all 20? Uh, it's, 20 th- it's the 23 first, the 25 third, and the 25 fourth. 25 yeah. down the road. Yeah, I like the, that punt. I don't know what it does for the salary cap, but... Uh, like you don't even have to throw in Angval. They don't care you need, about Angval. You need the you need it for the money. You need yeah, it for the money. I, I mean, but find something else. The biggest the biggest swing ever has been. He's like you can't trade Angval. <laughs> um, this one is stupid, so I don't know if you'll want to hear this one. But this one is a monster one as well. It's my last one. I'll give you. We're going uh, for Barbashev and Ryan O'Reilly. Holy smokes. Uh, and this is all works under the cap. You have to retain 30 on Ivan and 50 on Ryan O'Reilly, so that's going to cost you. So you're going Frinter, uh, Mitten, uh, my God, Fraser Mitten, a first-round pick in 2023, and that Ottawa pick that um, that Bukala liked, and then you got to go a bunch of contracts. You go Bobby McMahon and Joey Anderson to make it work for contracts. Uh, but so that Barbashev is, is expiring and O'Reilly's expiring. Yes, so that's a pure rental trade. But you're not giving up your high-end prospect. You're just giving like you're giving up Fraser Mitten, who's down the road. But it's the right. first-round pick that's the real prize in that trade. Done. Y- yeah, done for Leafs and Blues. I love that Angle uh, yeah. and Kerfoot are the yeah. new Brown and Bracco. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or used to be. Yeah. It was Sorry. Brown second in a in Bracco. You can tell me now. Give up a first for Aunt Beth's cookies right now, <laughs> and I'm saying yes. They are so desperate. The Leafs are so desperate to add new bodies mm-hmm. that you have to you have to be all in. This is it. This is it. I would. Can you imagine what the Leafs' bottom six looks like with Barbashev and O'Reilly in it? Oh, Barbash- a lot better. Barbashev is really interesting. The only reason I have hesitation on him is because everyone was going to want so, it. You, so he's going to so cost. So that, that's all the calculations done, done, right? All the calculations are done. So, but cool. I said Ryan O'Reilly, had to, he had to retain 50, and Barbashev, he had to retain 30 to make it work, to get it under the cap. So I do have a question about name players and maybe being in decline. Patrick Kane being one. Didn't O'Reilly. even include pa- Patrick Kane in my trades. Yeah, O'Reilly being another. Like, some of these guys that have done huge things in the sport and may yeah. cost you more money than you're really getting back value-wise. Well, first of all, you're, you're not sure what you're going to get. Well, you're not. Right? Well, Kane's a great question. I have no idea what he would do in a new environment. Would he be reinvigorated by a not, playoff chase? I'm not convinced he's going anywhere. Yeah. Probably, you know, if he's going to give a narrow grouping of teams to Chicago that he wants to go to. And like where? Gonna... Like where? Rangers. Ugh. You think he wants to go to New York knowing that, like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to maybe like it. I'm going to uh, maybe go on a nice run with these guys. Mm-hmm. And then I got to say goodbye to them. They can't keep me. 
Like, well, I've already got three Stanley Cups. What am I going to go? I guess if you're Kane, you're like, chase. move someone to keep me. I'm Patrick Kane. No, but that 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 conversation needs to happen. Yeah. And that's not that's not uh, New York. No. They're not going to go. And like, who are they moving? Your boy Truba. Um, how about that? I was in the lab back here, boys. You were working today, hey. Sammy. I was retaining salaries. Great job. Thank you. Wow, Thank that you. was a nice finish to the show. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, Just like that, tomorrow. two hours. We're all cookied out. Mike Kelly, great job. Jason Bukala, great job. Sammy McKee, great job. Maybe you should be on the trade deadline show. Just to make crap up when they... <laughs> Twiddle their thumbs for six hours. Proposed trades on deadline day is not a bad All idea. All right. Did you wear your glasses today? No glasses. Why? I'm just raw. I can't see anything. Why? Why didn't you wear your glasses today? I don't know. I'm feeling like a nerd. Kipper. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We're back again on Friday. Enjoy the NBA trade deadline show.